rather you live your life in We're here today with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, and Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for Restorative Justice Ministry, serving the offenders and officers alike in the Gatesville region. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of manipulation. Renee, as we begin our subject uh, manipulation, could you give us definition? Um, Sure. So I have a couple of definitions for you all today. So according to uh, Webster's Dictionary, manipulation to treat or to operate with the hands or mechanical means, right? But that's not the kind of definition we're really talking about. So another part of the, the definition is to control or play upon by artful, unfair, or sinister means, especially when you're doing it to one's advantage. And another definition that I found uh, from Google um, was manipulation is the exercise of harmful influence over others. People who manipulate others are uh, really attacking the mental and emotional sides of someone to get what they want. Um, Manipulation is defined as any attempt to sway someone's emotions to get them to act or feel a certain way. I think it's important to mention that in some respects, we're all manipulative to some point, right? If you think about um, politicians, especially, that there's a lot of manipulative behaviors, uh, manipulation to get you to vote for them. Um, or like if you're at a restaurant, right? Like I'm always super nice to the wait staff because I want them to give me good service. And in the re- same respect, the wait staff is usually very you know, very nice or, you know, they'll say a lot of kind things like, I really like your hair today, right? So there's this uh, edge of manipulation to get what you want. So we often <clears throat> all manipulate. It's it's the level of manipulation and what's behind the manipulation that can make it sinister. So you gave some examples there, but I pinned one. I wanted to see if this would work as an example uh, as we go into more examples of manipulation. And this uh, comes from the Genesis account. In Genesis 2, verse 16, God gives the command to Adam, Eve's not here yet, to Adam not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and bad. By Genesis 3, 1, chapter 2 to chapter 3 now, Now the serpent was most cunning of all the animals. In he comes, and he throws down the invitation to uh, Eve. And by Genesis 3, 6, five verses later, down she goes. She took some of the fruit and ate it and also gave some to Adam as well. And boom, there we were, the fall. So would this be an example of manipulation? Absolutely. That's a classic example of manipulation. Um, I would also include things like um, passive-aggressive behaviors. Um, when a person tries to isolate people from their family and friends, that's a form of manipulation. Um, lies and lying in general, which is what the serpent did. Mm-hmm. Um, even withholding information is a form of of manipulation. If I if I don't tell you the whole truth and I withhold certain details that make the situation more advantageous to me, 
then that can be a form of manipulation because I didn't tell you the whole truth or the whole situation. Um, implicit threats. So there can be um, implicit threats or non-implicit threats. There's a word I was thinking of, but I lost it. Um, so sometimes like, um, especially like in abusive behaviors, I may not hit you, but if I hit the wall or I pound the table, those are all ways of being threatening and manipulating. Um, verbal abuse, put downs, cursing are all forms of manipulation and abuse um, and gaslighting. And we're going to get into what gaslighting is um, a little later, but it's a little more severe in manipulation because um, it takes it to a point where the person being manipulated actually starts second guessing themselves. They may actually feel like they're going crazy. They're kind of losing a sense of their own reality due to the level of manipulation. Renee, why is manipulation wrong? Um, manipulation is often used as a tool to take away a person's free will and replace it with um, the manipulator's desires and wants. Um, and they're often sinister in nature. So that alone makes it wrong. I mean, God gives us free will, and then here's this person trying to take away my free will, and not for often, you know, viable good reasons. Um, often, too, in doing this, a manipulator strips the person of their dignity, their worth, and their value. Um, it can become what can sometimes start off as manipulation just to get what I want can become emotionally abusive as well. And for people who already feel negative about themselves, you know, maybe they have poor self-esteem or lack confidence. When a manipulator it gets involved with them, you know, it can exacerbate those feelings and negativity towards self. And if, if a person is already experiencing maybe some mental health issues like anxiety or depression um, or even, even some psychotic features, um, when a manipulator is being who they are, manipulating situations or this person, it may intensify some of those mental health sy symptoms that the, uh, that the uh, person is already experiencing. Backing up just a little bit, you mentioned when you first gave us a definition and used the word artful. Is this something that is learned and then practiced? Oh, absolutely. I think um, a lot of people, um, once they figure out that they can manipulate others and they can get what they want by manipulating others, then it does become kind of an art form that they perfect. Um Sometimes you'll hear people use the word charming. They were very charming. Well, to some extent, being charming can be being manipulative. So one of my favorite examples of, of a manipulator would be my own child. So the very first time that Andrew got in trouble, he had to go in front of a judge. You know, he uses drugs and, you know, has been in some trouble. Um, and he comes out of her office just grinning, you know, and all that. I'm like, hey, what happened? He goes, well, we'll talk about it in the car. This lady runs out from the back and she goes, young man, stop. 
And she goes, the judge never does that, right? And I was like, well, what happened? And she said, well, the judge felt like, you know, your son was intelligent. He was handsome. He was well-spoken and he was charming. And so she let him off today. Well, now, as a mom, you know, when your kid's 17, you're kind of excited, right? On the other hand, I'm like, this is completely wrong. What if he wasn't all these things? What would have happened? Not to mention, what what are the behaviors that you went in? What did you tell? What did you do that somebody just let you off? And often those people who are charming, they know how to engage with you. They smile. They shake your hand. They say all the right things to you. They may actually be being manipulative. I think he learned then at 17, oh, if I do this, this, and this, you know, I can get what I want and get my needs met by manipulating people, using them to my advantage. And over several years, it, it, it is an art form for some people. He's a classic example of that person. When you answer that question that Deacon Ronnie asked about, you know, why is it wrong? I'm looking at our uh, Catholic perspective on crime and criminal justice. It's called responsibility, rehabilitation, and restoration. And, and, and within it, there's a section on human life and dignity. That was in part how you answered that question. Why is it wrong? Well, because it violates that dignity. And the way they put it in here, it's the fundamental starting point for all Catholic social teaching, the defense of human life and dignity. Every human person is created in the image and likeness of God and has an inviolable dignity, value, and worth regardless of race, gender, class, or other human characteristics. And this is the part that's particularly uh, center for us in, in the restorative justice ministry. Therefore, both the most wounded victim and the most callous criminal retain their humanity. So even when we evaluate somebody and say, well, this is a bad person, that still doesn't give you the, the right to become manipulative with them. There's still a human dignity there. And therefore, next question I would want to ask, given all of that, why do people manipulate? You know, there's a lot of reasons. I, I was doing some research and found this great article that I'll be referring to uh, in a moment by Sanford. And... He makes a great point. There's, pro I'm only going to give you a few reasons why people ma manipulate, but there's probably hundreds and thousands of reasons that people manipulate when you really get down to it. But just some of those kind of on the um, top end, you know, people manipulate out of maybe a fear of being rejected or abandoned. Um, I think that's probably one of the more common ones. I'm going to manipulate you so you do not abandon me. So, for example, I know in other sessions, uh, other segments, we've talked about, you know, my son is incarcerated right now. So often he is wanting me to get him out of jail, which I've refused to do. So he'll tell me, well, you know, mom, you know, I got into this fight and I'm trying not to fight or, oh, this happened. He's telling me these stories of which I have no idea if they're true or not, but it's a way to manipulate me to get him out. And for him, being incarcerated for him feels like he's being abandoned. We've had this conversation. He feels alone. His family, you know, for the most part, I'm the only one he talks to. So he feels abandoned and he feels rejected by his family, um, you know, for some of the things that he's done to put himself in this situation. So that's one of the 
the, the main reasons people will manipulate. Also, maybe feelings of being helpless or hopeless or when people don't feel like they have worth or value to the world, they will often manipulate people. If I feel like I'm helpless to change my situation, how can I manipulate somebody else to get what I need or get what I want? Or if you're feeling hopeless, like right now, he's feeling hopeless. He understands I'm not getting him out. He could be looking, I don't know how long he could sit in jail, up to four years, I guess, before they do anything. I have no idea. So he's feeling that hopelessness, right? So manipulating, trying to manipulate me is part of that hopelessness that he's feeling right now. Um, Often people who manipulate are working out of a place of their own woundedness, their own emotional pain. When you think about a manipulator, it's really, they're really being a bully, right? I mean, it's bullying tactics that they're going to use. That's the behavior that they present out of a bully. And what we know about most bullies, they have been hurt themselves. They're wounded people. That's why they are acting out the way that they do. And so oftentimes when you're dealing with people who are are manipulative, it's out of their own emotional pain that those behaviors come forth. Also, it's a a desire within, within a manipulator to have their own wants and needs met. You know, they want to have their desires met. They want what they want. And so if I can manipulate you to get what I want... That's a part of this, too. Right now, we're speaking all. This is everything about that incarcerated kid that I have sitting up in Dallas. Like, he has this desire to get out of jail. What can I say to my mom to manipulate her? What he's forgotten is he's 30, so now I know all the tricks of the trade, right? I know all these manipulation tactics, so they're not working like they would have when he was younger. Um, Sometimes for a, a person manipulates others, to elevate their own self-esteem and and confidence. And it's really a false sense of confidence, but they will manipulate other people to, you know, self-inflate, you know, better self-esteem, better confidence. And often it's out of a need for power and control over others. It's always interesting to me that when I look back with, with clients I've worked with or even, you know, my own kids, especially in addiction, there's this feat, this there's a statement about oh I have power and control over this I can stop using drugs whenever I want, and and it's a false sense of power and control because the reality is, is the drugs are controlling you, all those addictive behaviors are controlling you, so manipulation is also about power and control, and I think really what happens is is people understand they really don't have that much control over themselves, and but what if I can control this other human being? And a way to kind of think about it, too, is this other human being, the person being manipulative, manipulated, they're really like a puppet, right? They are being manipulated. Um, sometimes people manipulate others out of immaturity. It's just a lack of that maturity. Um, are people who are kind of stuck in a lack of maturity? So one of the things that we talk about often is people who... Um, or addicts like drug addicts or maybe alcoholics, um, whatever age that the addiction took root, if it was 15, 14, 17, then typically that's their mentality 
for for maybe years until they do some healing work. So you could be looking at somebody that's 40 and they're immature, but if they were a person that came that's been involved in addiction, they may be stuck like in a 17-year-old frame, you know, thinking framework just because of when their addiction took root. Um, and also these are usually people that they lack the skills needed to engage in healthy relationships. So a lot of people who manipulate, they they don't have the training or the knowledge of how to engage in healthy relationships. If you've grown up in a home where people are manipulating each other within a family or there's some codependency issues, you may not even really recognize that this is what you do to other human beings. And so they don't know how to engage in healthy relationships. Was going to ask you because a lot of this sounds like the reasons why have to do with the individual seeking some form of relief for some type of disordered moment in their life Mm -hmm. where they're suffering pain and such. We um, often see younger people uh, resorting to uh, cutting themselves on their arms. And I was wondering, is that a form of manipulation where the person utilizes this self-harm as a relief valve, even though it's really not that? Is that literally I'm manipulating my own mind into a relief sensibility with something that really shouldn't be designated as a relief? You know, I had never really thought about it that way, but absolutely, you know, it is a self, uh, like a manipulation of self. You're manipulating your thinking um, because I don't want to deal with pain, emotional pain I cut to feel pain. So it is like a self-manipulation. Absolutely. Um, One of the articles that I had just mentioned um, was written by Timothy L. Sanford, and he talks a lot about, you know, there being a variety of reasons that people will manipulate. But what I loved in his article, something that I had not seen in all my other research, is that he actually gives you some basic styles of manipulators, which I thought was so interesting. And he, in this article, he condensed it down to three. But basically, when you're observing or engaged with somebody who's manipulating you, they're going to come in one of three styles. So first, the first style is called the master. And this is the bully. This is the person that's easily angered. They're pushy. They're forceful. They want what they want. That's the master. Then you have the savior, the rescuer also known as the enabler, that this is this is where I come into play sometimes. I'm that person. Um, and they're going to use guilt to get you to do what they want. And, and then after that, you're indebted to them, right? And they're going to remind you of everything they've ever done for you. So you have the master and now the savior. And the one that he described as being one that's sometimes hard to recognize, and I was like, bam, was the victim. So this person, they're the victim. Poor me, I'm powerless. And they're often getting used, well, what could have happened to me? You know, this could have happened to me. And that's a measure for you to meet their demands. And the way he put it was, there is power in being powerless. So the victim is another role 
that sometimes manipulators will use. I thought that was just genius. I never really thought about that before. Would an addictive, I'm sorry to keep jumping in here, Deacon Ronnie, <laughs> I, um, would, would an addictive natured person potentially have a, a vulnerability to getting addicted to being a manipulating person? Oh, sh- for sure. Um, you know, even our behaviors can be uh, addicting. I don't. I, I never really thought about that until a few years ago. But like, I, I in my past, and sometimes now, I fight being an enabler. And my daughter pointed out to me, she know, you're addicted to helping people, and not always in the best way. And it's absolutely true. And so, I, absolutely, I think some people could become addicted to those manipulative behaviors. I also think it becomes second nature to some people, especially people in addiction, because they do become so um, manipulative to get what they want, to get their drugs, to get what they need, get to get money to buy drugs. So it kind of works both ways with manipulation. Yes. Well, it sounds as if they have a very distinct endpoint in terms of where they're headed in terms in their mm-hmm. practice. Um, so uh, give us some of their goals. What are some of the goals of a manipulator? So a few of the goals are to, um, well, basically the basic one is just to get what you want, right? I mean, we could cut it to the chase and say, you know, I want what I want. Um, and also it's to gain influence over others, and it that that comment or when I saw that written, it made me think about so much of our re- uh, reality TV or the people now that you see on Instagram, all these influencers, right? Like people don't seem to have jobs; they just want to be a social influencer. And so then you think about if if one of the goals of manipulation of a manipulator is to influence others. It makes you think about all these people, you know, in our society who that's their job is to influence you. They're called influencers. So if I'm buying this product, I'm going to influence you to buy this product as well. You know, so it was kind of interesting. Um, We know that manipulation is used in advertising, but it just seems to be, you know, more on that forefront um, also, as we talked about before, it's to get their needs met. You know, if if I'm unsure of how to meet my needs, if I haven't been taught in, you know, at home how to meet my needs by my parents, um, I'm going to manipulate others to get my needs met. So that's a goal. And then for so many people, the goal is to have power and control. When I feel like I don't have power on my own as a human being, I may reach out and manipulate others and have power and control over them so that in turn, I have this sense of power and control over my world. Can a manipulator's basic why I'm manipulating, like you just laid out there, get what I want, gain influence over others, get my needs met, have power and control, can that ever have a... a, um, kind of crossover benefit for others. In other words, I know in the definition, the definition included this is behavior such as that we're describing that is harmful to others. Mm -hmm. But um, can that be, can manipulative behaviors, practices, and so forth be a way that successful people 
get other people to do what they want, like in a corporate situation or in a prison situation, uh, et cetera. Oh, sure. I mean, so as a tool, manipulation, like in business, it, it can be a, a positive thing. It really depends upon the motivations behind it. And it depends upon if it if it becomes abusive. It, am I becoming emotionally abusive to someone? Um, businesses, I mean, absolutely, there's there's a level of manipulation in business. I mean, because you are trying to influence others. If I'm selling a product, you know, I'm going to want to influence you to buy the product. You know, um, think cosmetic companies are a great example of a manipulation, you know. With this makeup, you're going to look younger if you're looking older, you know, um, or you're going to look prettier, more attractive if you're wearing our makeup. So absolutely, the success of a business can be somewhat dependent on manipulative, uh, manipulative behaviors, right? Um, it, I think it just it's going to be that, that border of is this becoming emotionally abusive, um, so if a business said something like, well, you're ugly, you know, unless you use our product, then that would be emotionally abusive because then you're saying people are ugly. That's a name calling type thing, putting somebody down. But as long as um, you're doing it within a framework of maybe trying to be a successful business person, then some of those tactics would be necessary to have a successful business. Absolutely. So it can be used in a context, the word manipulation mm-hmm. and all the reality surrounding it. it. It can be used at times in a way that um, sin is not involved, in essence. Exactly. And um, therefore, I'm, I'm utilizing these means of manipulation in order to, to build something that the outcome is going to be a, a good. At that point, even though we're using the same word, in the back of your mind, you're not having the same sensibility to it. It's not manipulation, ooh, that's bad. It's manipulation, oh, it's an option mm-hmm. in order to get something positive done. So is that generally accepted in, uh, you know, in, in your, your clinical world? Oh, sure. You know, and I was even thinking about like children, right? As parents, we're somewhat manipulative with our kids. There are times, I mean, while we want to give our children a sense of power and control on their own, we also have to have power and control over our children, especially when they're younger, so that maybe they don't run out in front of that car, right? Or um, we want to help our kids get their, their needs met, and we are influencing them. So some of our behaviors as parents are even would be deemed manipulative in nature. It's the sinister piece, that emotional abuse piece behind it that makes the difference. So p- perhaps one of the ways we, we could simply measure that as a practice is saying if what I'm asking the person to do, is that uh, for, the, for their good or is it for my, my good? good? Oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect question to ask, you know, in those moments. Is this for, you know, my good or is this for the person's good? Absolutely. As our people hear this out there, both our listeners outside of prison, but also inside of prison, one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up, and I'm glad Deacon Ronnie followed up to clarify that even better, 
I think it'll cause a lot of folks to do some looking inside mm-hmm. their hearts to say, well, now, wait a minute. Some of that does sound like me. Does that make me a bad person or have I been doing bad things? Or on the other hand, um, my intention really wasn't to harm other people, and yet I'm, I'm being manipulative. So should I set that aside? What I'm hearing is no, not necessarily, but you just really want to watch why am I doing what I'm mm-hmm. doing, number one, and number two, once I'm doing what I'm doing, do I have evidence that it's not being helpful to other people or that it might be harmful to other people? Absolutely. I think um, self-reflection goes a long way in anything that you're doing. So absolutely, you know, to sit back and look at your behaviors or, or look at what how you've been involved maybe in manipulation with somebody else and ask the question, was this for me? Was this for them? What was the level of hurtful intent that may have occurred? And then now what can I do about that? You know, how can I apologize and move on? You know, how can I change some of my behaviors to be a better person? Well, we thank you, Renee Brown, our Director of Counseling for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, Deacon Ronnie our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry. I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, and we ultimately give thanks to God, and we ask God to help us to watch over our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, that they may always and everywhere be to His glory, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. if you walk with me, brother, 